for joining the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. We're in a series called Teach Us to Pray that is coinciding with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll be focusing on the patterns of prayer through Scripture to help us in our own prayer life. One of my favorite quotes is on prayer is from Max Licato. He said, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I pray that this series will help you grow from where you are to where God wants you to be. God bless you. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're at in scripture this morning. So glad that you're here. My house is almost doing better. Um, uh, Angela, she was actually, you wouldn't have known it, but she was uh, pretty ill and has now gone home. Chase is still ill, but we all tested negative and uh, for COVID and grateful for that. And uh, Kaylee's here is, and uh, glad, uh, glad you're here, babe feeling better and so but we know that many are sick it's crazy right now and uh, I'm gonna tell you I'm uh, yes if you're feverish and symptoms and all that kind of stuff it's the best ministry you can do is to stay at home but if you're well you need to be here if you're you don't need to be afraid if you're well you need to be in the house of the Lord and this is our last week of our 21 days of fasting and prayer and I would challenge you, maybe you haven't done anything at this point. It's not too late. Do something this week. Do something this week to disconnect and to get a hold of God. And maybe you want to fast a day. Maybe you want to fast a meal, whatever that may look like. I'm not going to go through all the details I've gone through the last couple of weeks. But um, spend some time with the Lord this week. And you'll be, you'll be grateful that you did. We will have prayer Tuesday night. And at 7, Wednesday at noon, Thursday at 7, Saturday at 6. And so I'm excited what God is doing. And uh, God's speaking dreams and visions. We're seeing breakthroughs, and I'm excited for it. So Ephesians chapter 6. So to kind of open up this morning, um, the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, actually three weeks ago, I talked about really a pattern of prayer through the book of Matthew and the Lord's Prayer. Use that as a plan to help us as we pray Last week we kind of talked about how to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, having that plan of prayer, that, that, that place of prayer, and that focus of prayer. And this morning, kind of really in a, a bird's eye look, I want to focus in on spiritual warfare. And I'm not going to get like real deep into the teaching of spiritual warfare. I just want to give you a bird's eye view, kind of an overview um, and so you're just blessed this morning. I've never preached a sermon with nine points, and this morning I have nine points. Are you ready? And so it may be quicker than you think. So, um, so as we look at that, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read the whole passage in a moment, but I just want to lay some groundwork this morning. And I want to read Ephesians 6.12. 
Ephesians 6.12. If you remember I said last week that God did not intend for us just to live life in the natural, but there is a spiritual realm. There is a supernatural realm, and we have been created to, to take part in that. I mean, it's all the way through Scripture. Matter of fact, one of them is in um, uh, 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 1 Corinthians and it tells us that uh, there's, you know, there's a spiritual man, natural man, and, and just in Ephesians, or uh, for, maybe it's 2 Corinthians 2, 10, 11, 12, 13, that tells us about how that, that connection we have with God is a spiritual connection, and, and it talks about our spirit man. But in Ephesians 6, 12, we see, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. And many of us know this verse and, and know a lot of this passage, but it's just telling us there is a battle going on, and it's not happening just in the natural or in the nat- but there is a spiritual battle happening. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh. We, even though we walk in the flesh, that's not how we fight our spiritual battle. It goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, flesh origin, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And those aren't physical strongholds, those are spiritual strongholds. It goes on to say in verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raised against the knowledge of God, and that's really where the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle takes place, is that there is a spirit, an antichrist spirit at work, the enemy's at work, and he is trying to do all that he can to set things up against the kingdom, uh, uh, and a lot of it is, is, is opinion against the knowledge of God, but we have the spiritual weapons to destroy those strongholds. And in, in John 6.63, I'm not sure if these are in our notes or not, but it's one of, my, one of my favorite verses. One of my favorite standalone verses, and it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The, spirit, the words I have given you are spirit and in life. I mean, there is no doubt, no question, when you look at the pattern of Scripture, that we are spiritual beings created that will also take part in a spiritual battle. When we're talking about spiritual warfare, we're not talking about like maybe some Ghostbusters movie. I know I think there's a, a new one about to come out, whatever. That's not how this operates. That's not what we're doing with our you know, plasma weapons and whatever and stuff like that. And uh, nor, do we go, nor do we go look for the fight. If you're living for God, the fight's going to come your way. You don't have to go look for it. And so in Ephesians, let's pick up in Ephesians 10 and look at this passage kind of all in its context. We're going to read verses 10 through 20. And it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and strengthen his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If you are, is there anybody that I am, I, it's not sacrilegious to scribble and write in your Bible. So if you have a tree Bible... That's a paper Bible. I would encourage you to circle, underline, stand. 
because we're going to come back to that in a moment. Stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And it's not the only place we're going to see it. But against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Therefore, keep, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. You can circle or underline or that one as well. And the evil day. And having done all, look at it, it says it again, stand firm. Stand therefore, it says again, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in all circumstances, not some, in all circumstances, take up your shield of faith. Notice it doesn't say just when the problems happen, just when the battle is happening, just when things are going bad to take up your shield of faith. It says all circumstances. When things are going well, you still need to have your shield of faith ready. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Listen, the enemy just doesn't attack when things are going bad. The enemy is going to attack when things are going good. I, you know, I, I grew up most of my life, and maybe some of you heard this too, hearing that the enemy is going to do everything that he can, like when something good, a breakthrough happens, that he's going he's gonna to raise his head and he's going to fight. He's going to come again, trying to rob the blessing of that breakthrough. I'm going to tell you the enemy is going to come before the blessing and try to ruin it before it even, even gets to you. That's a good word right there. Bring all times, uh, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, praying at all times in prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Everyone say alert. With all perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth. I'm going to tell you, you need to be praying for your pastor. Your pastor prays for you. You need to pray for your pastor's family. Boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for it's an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as it ought to speak. And so some things just very quickly I want to point out, kind of we get into these, these points I want to draw out this morning, and that is this. Verse 10 and verse 18, we see something very significant that I think sometimes we leave out about this verse, this passage. And it's verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Be strong and the Lord and the strength of his might. And then it tells us how we do that. It, re- it really gives us the answer in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Listen to me. To engage in spiritual warfare, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of the Spirit of God to engage in spiritual warfare. And I'm going to tell you why and I'm going to tell you how. See, the Bible says that when we speak in tongues, when we pray in that language, that one of the purposes is there is a public use of the gift that accompanies interpretation. It's in, it's in you know, 1 Corinthians 12. We read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, God, when you are baptized and filled in the Holy Spirit, that God will give you a personal prayer language. And the Bible says when we speak in that language, we don't speak to men, but we speak to God. And that when we use that language, it builds our spirit. And I, you know, I want to have, Chase, he's, you know, he's homesick this morning. But I, I mean, I had this really cool for illustration. I don't know if I want to tell you or not. 
because telling you about it won't do it justice, but I, you know, I'm going to anyway. So I was going to, I had some weights, and I was going to have Chase sit here in a chair, you know. And you, anybody seen though, you know, you ever, anybody ever go to the gym ever? I, I don't anymore, but in, you know, I, uh, you know, if you go to, um, I think they call them lunkers or lunkheads or something at Planet Fitness, I forget what the, you know. Um, I want to be careful because I have a cousin that's a bodybuilder and he's huge. But anyway, so you know when when you're when you're lifting those weights, what happens is is it tears down your muscles. But when you know when you know, then after your exercise, what happens is is you know the right nutrients and proteins and amino acids go into those muscles and it makes them stronger. Same thing works with endurance. You know you push yourself to that limit and you keep pushes and, and and you build up this endurance. And that's how it works with praying in the spirit. I, you know, I had this image when I was thinking about this of, of, you know, somebody lifting weights and you always have that guy, on the, you know, when I was in high school and our friend was like, you know, lifting weights and maxing out, you know, we were always like around, you know, yelling at him, yeah, you got yeah, to do it, you, you push harder, push harder, you got it, you know, and they're always yelling and we're all red faced and veins sticking out and, and maybe the Holy Spirit don't quite look like that, but I can see him as we're living out life and we're praying in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, I hold, we, we got this. I got you. You see, I, w- this is how you walk forward in the strength of his might. is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you. He will lead you. He will comfort you. He will direct you. Come on, somebody. I mean, he's going to strengthen your spirit, man, to be able to stand in the middle of that fight. See, to engage in spiritual affair, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says in verse 11 that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Know that the devil is always scheming to get you. I'm not trying to be like use a scare tactic or, or anything like that. But listen, the devil hates you. And he's been dealing with humanity longer than you've been dealing with you. Are you following me? I mean... If anybody knows the prones and natures of our human nature, it is the enemy. And he knows how to manipulate. He knows how to confuse. He knows how to bait. That you may be, so we're going to be strong in the Lord and his might, praying in the, in, at all times in the spirit so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. Stand against, listen, this is why I want to emphasize this so much, because when you see that pattern through Ephesians 6, here's the meaning of that. It means no surrender. It means no surrender. When it's saying do all that you can do to stand, what Scripture is telling us, do not surrender. Do not give up. Matter of fact, the Bible said this way, do not give up in difficult times, for in due time you'll reap a harvest. Don't give up up times right now for a lot of people are very is very difficult don't give up don't give up on what God is doing what God is working where God is leaking leading he has not given up on you and so stand against is a military term meaning no surrender then it says prayer with all supplication I mean that's praying with everything in the arsenal I mean some translations even say praying all kinds of prayers Pray in the Spirit, 
Pray intercession prayers. Pray warfare prayers. Pray the scriptures. One of my favorite things to do is to go through scripture, and when I find a promise to pray that scripture, I'll tell the Lord, Lord, your word says this, and I'll spend time on that promise and pray and say, okay, God, let's see this promise. You promised it. You said it. Let's see it fulfilled. There's many patterns of prayer. Listen, an element of prayer is confrontation with the devil. An element of prayer. It's not, some people spend too much time with that confrontation. I'm, you know, I, I don't know if that we can, you know, say, uh, you know, I mean, I'm saying like, you know, 90, 10, 80, 20 is confrontation with the enemy. Listen to me. When I go in, I think I said this the other day, but when I, when I go into somebody's home and I pray for their home and we anoint the windows and thresholds and doors and kitchens and rooms with oil, we ask God's blessing. I, I don't invest a whole lot of time saying like, devil, get out of here. I bind you. No, I just invite the presence of the Lord in the house. I'm going to tell you, when the Holy Spirit's somewhere, you know it. And so an element of prayer is confrontation with the devil. He's scheming. And so this really leads me to point number one. Point number one is this, is the devil is real. And you're like, I know most of you probably in this room, if not all of you are like, well, yeah, okay, you haven't said nothing I don't know yet. But listen to me. Did you know that in America right now that 55% of church-going people that identify as Christians do not believe the devil is real. I'm going to tell you, if I was the devil, that's exactly what I try to make people believe. The devil is real. And no, I listen to me. The devil is not, you know, he's not dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if there's anything the devil wants us to believe is that he's not real. But Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Listen, if we're going to believe what Scripture says, we have to believe that our enemy is real. It's not a, it's not a thing in our head. It's not an imaginary character. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Revelation 12, 7, it kind of gives us a picture it says, now a war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The scripture is going to reveal it to us itself. I don't have to give commentary on the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who's called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, has, was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And then we know the scripture tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Listen to me. The enemy is real. Demonic influence is real. And we see it playing, we may not realize it, but we see it playing out every single day. Years ago, years ago, I met a man... I'm a pastor from Africa. I mean, I was, I was, man, I, I was barely in my 20s. And I was a youth pastor, and um, he was at our church, and we were just talking about things. I was just fascinated about the level and amount of spiritual warfare that they engage in and, and the area, and he was in Africa. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, listen, he said, I, he said what blows my mind when I come to America and I come preach and visit, he said, you guys entertain yourself with things 
that we fight with every day and pray against. Think about that for a moment. You're going to tell me the enemy through what we watch and what we listen to has not tried to manipulate and deceive and to bind. The second thing is this. The devil wants to destroy us. The devil, he wants to destroy us. John 10, and the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And, I, you know, there's so many times I, you know, talk to people sometimes and they'll say, They'll say, you know, something like, well, I'm, 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 you know, I'm too far gone. I'm, you know, I'm too bad for the devil to, to mess with me. It don't matter. It don't matter how saved you are or unsaved you are. You are still made and created in the likeness of God, and the enemy hates that. He doesn't care how far gone you're gone until you're completely gone. And he will steal, he will kill and destroy, and he will do that in any way that he can. If, if you're, you know, if you're, if the crack in your door is through drug addiction and alcohol and substance abuse and self-medicating, if it's, uh, he's going to find a way, he, he's going to try to find a way to get into your house, into your temple, and to mess you up. The devil's out to destroy us. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I know you know some of these scriptures, some of these promises, but I'm going to tell you, the enemy hates you. I mean, you may think someone in your life really doesn't like you, and it does not compare to how much the enemy doesn't. I mean, he really despises you. But see, that leads us to the third thing, is the devil responds to authority. The devil responds to authority. The devil is a defeated foe. He lost the battle in heaven and was kicked out. And then we see in Scripture that he was disarmed because of the cross. His power has been broken. And I'm going to talk in a moment so what gives it to me. I'll talk about it in just a moment. But listen, the devil responds to authority. And here's the promise we hold on to. The Bible tells us, little children, you are from God and overcome them. And it's talking about false teachers here. But listen, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, we are walking in the strength of his might. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than any spiritual force that you'll come against. Than any principality that you'll come against. Than any evil force you'll come against. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'll never forget... Um, I was, you know, I, you, you guys know mostly, most of you know, you know, my life history. I'm so open about it, but, you know, when, even though I was running for the Lord, I mean, I still, my mom still made me go to church. I still had to go to church every single week. I mean, I, I didn't pretend, I didn't play. She made me go, I'd make mom happy, and then I'd go do my thing. And, uh, but I grew up around, I grew up in moves of God, saw God move, God works, all kinds of things God did. But I was, I, was about, I was about 21, 22 years old. I was youth pastoring in this church. 
And revival hit our church. The Spirit of God just poured out. It was just a, an amazing thing what God was doing in our church. And I'll never forget one Sunday night where, where uh, you know, we were praying and, and seeking God, and a deacon came up to me. And why he came to me? I mean, I don't know, but he came up to me. And there was a young lady in the service that night, and he came up to me. He said, he said Todd, he said, listen, he said, I really feel the Lord speak to me that if, you can go, if you'll go get her and bring her to the front, that God will set her free. And I mean, I, did, I was like, okay. So I went over to her, and she was in the second row, right side, I'll never forget it. And I walked over, and by the time I got over there, she, was, she had ducked down, she was on the ground, all fours between the pews. And I walked over there, and I just got down on the ground with her. I was like, hey, why don't you uh, just come up front with me? Come up to the altar, and we'll go pray. And she looked up at me and started growling like a dog. I was like, ah, that's not Jesus. I had never seen, experienced anything like this in my life. And so I, it was just, inst- all I needed to do was to do what I felt the Lord said to do through this deacon. And so I did. I grabbed her hand, and for some reason she came. I grabbed her hand anyway and brought her to the front. And as soon as she crossed into the altar area up in the front, she collapsed. And as soon as she collapsed, it filled the entire building with the smell of rotted flesh. I know that's graphic, but that's exactly what happened. And we spent the night that night and ended up delivering her completely from the possession of the enemy in her body. And I'm going to tell you, when you go through a moment like that, you know that you know that you know that the enemy has to respond to the authority. You know, I'm reminded in Acts chapter 19, it's the seven sons of Sceva. It's really, I mean, you know, it's kind of a funny moment. I get, you know, that's probably, uh, you know, a little you know, unkosher to say that, but it really strikes me, but we see something here in Acts chapter 19 and verse 11 and through 16, and it says that God was doing extraordinary things to the hands of Paul, and we see that even handkerchiefs and aprons had touched his skin, were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left, and the evil spirit saying, and so so this is happening through Paul, but there's these men, verse 13, then some itinerant Jewish exorcist undertook to invoke, and that's really crucial here, invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I urge you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, and listen, these seven sons of Jew- were, were sons of a Jewish high priest, verse 14, named Sceva doing this, verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And Paul I recognize, but who are you? And that always leaps out at me because of the way that it says they intended to adjure you. They, you know, they were trying to use a gimmick. You know, they didn't understand how it all worked. Verse 16, and the man in whom the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them. And so they fled out of the, fled out of the house naked and wounded. Listen to me. This isn't about a formula, it is about a relationship. And the enemy responds to your relationship with the Lord. It is the empowerment of Jesus in your life that gives you the power. And so that gives us to number four. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
I'm going to tell you, you may be at a point in time in your life where that's all you know to do is to say the name Jesus. You may feel like you're in such under spiritual attack and darkness and difficulty suffocating you and you don't know what to pray. I'm going to tell you there is power in the name of Jesus. I don't mean this to be disrespectful or irreligious. But I, Angela, I, I call her my machine gun Jesus. I do, because any, when something bad's happening, I mean, she can say Jesus faster and more times than anybody I know. But I'm going to tell you something, there's power in that name. And if even you got to say Jesus, 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 it's worth saying his name because there's power in his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. In Luke 10, we read about the 72 that were, you know, Jesus had sent them out, Luke chapter 9, and they come back in Luke chapter 10, and they're reporting, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us, listen, in your name. The difference between Luke 10 and Acts a little bit earlier, the seven sons of Sceva, is that there was a relationship happening when they used the name of Jesus, and Jesus says in verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Listen to me. When, the, when Revelations we read about earlier that talks about that battle that took place in the heavenlies, that like wasn't a four-year war. That wasn't a 10-year war. That wasn't, it wasn't even a 10-day war, nor was it a one-day war. When that war broke out, the Bible says that the enemy fell like lightning. God took care of it that quick. Think about it. The enemy, right, Satan, Lucifer, the worship leader of heaven, with, with these angels he's deceived, rises up to fight against God. God says, nope, you're done. <laughs> Have you ever thought about it like that? I'm going to tell you, the enemy cannot stand in the authority of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. And in that scripture in Philippians 2.10, it says, in heaven... On earth, and what does it say? Under the earth. You know what that's making reference to? The enemy is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Number five is this. Yeah, I told you it was going quicker than you thought. Number five is this. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood would you over evil a victory win? There is power, there is power in the blood. Would we be free from our passion and pride? There is power. Did you know God's, God's blood, Christ's blood is even strong enough to get you over your pride? Ouch. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There was wonderful working power, his wonderful working power in the blood. The Bible says in, Re in Revelations 12, 11, for we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. There is power in the blood of Jesus. I'm gonna tell you, there are times that I pray and I, I do, I, you know, I'm not saying this is even completely 100% scriptural i'm gonna say i've prayed for some of you i've called i've called all of you by name and i've asked that lord just cover them with your blood just just saturate them just 
surround them. I, I plead your blood to cover them. Why? Because there's power in the blood. It doesn't matter what the sin was. It doesn't matter what the sin is. It doesn't matter what the pattern has been. There is power in the blood of Jesus, and his blood breaks the curse of sin. His blood does it every single time. What gives, you see, the Bible tells us that the enemy was stripped of all of his weapons through the cross. What gives the enemy his power is our sin. Sin is what gives the enemy power. Sin is what builds the enemy's kingdom. Sin is what spreads the enemy's agenda. Sin is what creates strongholds and and allows the enemy to operate in. That's the power of sin, but yet there is a stronger force at play, and that's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus breaks every cycle. The blood of Jesus tears down every stronghold. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Number six, the word of God is our sword. We read in Ephesians 6, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is... The word of God. I'm going to say it very simply here. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. We are, we are in a, a, a culture right now that, um, that biblical illiteracy is probably at a place where it's never been what it is right now. You, you need to know your word. You need to know your Bible. You need to know what God is speaking to you and saying to you and, 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 and all through his word. And I'm not going to take the time I, I was going to. I'm, I'll say just enough for you can fill in your blanks. Because if it was me and I had empty blanks, it'd drive me nuts. And so I'm going to give you enough to fill in the next few blanks and I'm going to move on. But we know the pattern in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4. Jesus had fasted for 40 days, and then the enemy came to him and tempted him with three different things. And each time, Jesus responded, not with an opinion, not even his own opinion, but what God's Word says. Every single time. The physical temptation we read in verses 3 and 4, and that's what, do what feels right. And that's just not a... A, a worldly, secular thing about doing what's right. I hear that lingo in the church so often. Just do what feels right. Listen to me. Sometimes obedience doesn't feel right. Let me say it this way. Sometimes obedience doesn't feel good. After the fact it does. But sometimes mounting that strength or that step of faith to obey what God's speaking to our heart, it's not always easy. But listen, so that do what feels right. But what did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that really sets up the agenda for all that even happens after this. How are you going to survive by what comes out of the mouth of God? How are you going to survive? How how are you going to be sustained every word that comes out of his mouth? What do we know what that is? Well, it's usually bound in leather and it has a whole bunch of pages. And there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. Come on. It's in black and white. Some of, some of you are real special and have black and white and red. 
It's in that book. The Bible says, I will not set before my eyes. And so what happens when that temptation comes? Recall on the promises of God. When I, this may shock you, I know. I, you know, stay with me. But there are times that I'm tempted. I, I know, right? What I've learned is, when I'm in that moment of temptation, maybe it's something... Maybe it's a billboard that I drive by. Maybe it's a commercial that comes on TV. I'll say, I will not set before my eyes anything that is vile. I hold on to the word of God. Did that just get too real? Are you okay? Are you here this morning? When you face that, the reason why so many times we fall to temptation because we think we can do it on our own. And you can't. We've got to have the work, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And set on the promises of God. The Bible says, Galatians 5, 16, I will walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The second thing is an emotional temptation that questions God's love. In Matthew verses, in, in that chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, what happens? He takes him on the pinnacle of the temple and tells him to jump off. And surely God's going to save him. And really what the enemy was testing Christ is, does God really love you? And that's a battle so many times that we face. Does God really love us? And Jesus responded again, it is written, you shall, put the Lord your, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test again. Jesus responds with the word, but listen to me. There is no love like the love that God has for you. And when we go through those moments, it's like, does God see me? Does God really love me? Well, the Bible says that God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I mean, in Romans 8, right, one of our favorite passages there in the, in the later 30 verses there, and it goes on to say, it lists all these different things, which also include just attacks of the enemy, but it says that nothing will separate us from what? From the love in God and Christ Jesus. God loves you. Well, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The third one is the control temptation. And that really contends with the pride of our heart, the take over the throne. In Matthew, we see that, you know, really what, Jesus, what Satan's ultimate goal was, was to get Jesus to worship him. But Jesus, he does something real smart here. You shall worship the Lord your God, and, you, and him only you shall serve. He responds again with what God's word had said. Listen to me, the enemy, whether no matter where you are in life, he will do all that he can to control the reins of your heart. But you've got to cut those. You've, you can't allow him to have access. Listen, God has an answer in his word for every situation. God has an answer in his word in every situation. Number seven is this, daily submit myself to God. Daily submit myself to God. The Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Do that first, and then what? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The first thing you have to do is submit yourself to God, and then you resist the enemy. You're not going to be able to resist the enemy and then try to, you know, have a play date with God. No, you got to submit, surrender, fully give yourself to him, 
and then you can resist the enemy. Number eight is this. I know I'm going quick here. Hopefully this is helping you some. But this is really important, these next two. Number eight, close off the areas that give the enemy access. Close off the areas in your life that give the enemy access. You may not know this or not, but me and Angela, we first really met over a demon-possessed girl. Angela had come to camp and um, brought a young lady with her. And um, I, I was there as a, as a kids counselor, kids camp counselor. And so it happened with the young lady I told you about earlier that, that happened in that church when I was a youth pastor. She was there with me. God had an amazing restoration in her life. And we were in the concession stand. It was at the close of service. I'd slipped down. And I was, I was cooking burgers in the concession stand. And, um, and the young lady that was with me, she had gone for service a while, and then she comes running down. And she says, PT, she said, there's a girl up there possessed. And you know, who would better know that than someone who had been? And so I'm like, okay, and I'm, I still got my apron on, and I'm like, oh, but I'm cooking burgers, and I'm, you know, I don't know what to do. And the next thing I know, you know, I hear a door open, and this is happening in the, the a chapel there at camp. We used to call it the, back then, now it's like the fireside room. Back then it was the rec room, but in this chapel area, and this whole group of guys bring her in, and she's flailing and, and manifesting, and they, they kind of put her on the floor, and then nobody really knows what to do. They all kind of step back, and, they, and everybody's like standing in a circle around her. And I'm, I'm, this is no, I'm sitting here in an apron and a spatula. And um, I'm watching them, what they're going to do. And uh, uh, so finally I went over who then I, I didn't know that he was going to be my future brother-in-law. And uh, I went to Chris and I said, hey, do you, mind, do you guys mind if I pray for her? He's like, go ahead. <laughs> so I put, take my apron off and I get down the floor with her. And, and I mean, the manifestation continues. Long story short, she did received deliverance that night and got an amazing thing but here's what happened that week she was a pastor's daughter she was a pk that and her church was in revival that week before camp and during an altar call one of those nights god called her to ministry and when god called the ministry she just kind of, she just cut it straight off and she stood up and she says no god i'm not going to do it and the moment she did that, it opened up a window into her life. And it happened that quick. That quick. Listen. And so what was her response? What, what did she have to do to close that window, to close the enemy access? She had to obey. She had to obey. And I'm not here to tell, I'm not, I'm not telling you, listen, I'm not saying that anytime you disobey God, that you're going to get demon possessed. That's, that's not the the point of the story here, but it, I'm going to tell you, it's a slow fade, friend. It's a slow fade. Saying no once, ignoring what God's word says a second time, and you begin to create a pattern in your life, what's going to happen is you'll create strongholds in your life. And even though at times maybe you go through a moment where you break free and that feels so good, right? I mean, we go through where we just feel like we had that victory and, and man, we know that we're changed and everything is going to be different. Listen, 
You can't go back to what you were and expect to keep the victory. You've got to close access off to the enemy. This is good stuff right now. I don't know if you realize that or not, but you've got to close off access to the enemy. The Bible says, for we destroy arguments and everyday lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. Those two last words, what does it say? Say it with me. Obey Christ. Come on, it's not hard. It's there on the screen. Let's say it together. Obey Christ. If you want to close access off to the enemy, then be submissive and obedient to everything what Christ wants to do in your life. And the ninth thing is, the ninth thing is this, is the walk in forgiveness. Is the walk in forgiveness. 